Welcome to the Sermon of the Week. Before you begin listening, let me pray that you would encounter God right where you are. Father, I ask that your Spirit would be present wherever people are listening. May they be aware of your presence and receptive to the voice of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you listen to this week's message. Be our prayer, 
be magnified in me. Yeah. I won't bow to idols. No, I won't bow to idols. I'll stand strong and worship you. And if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. I won't be formed by feelings. I hold fast to what is true. And if the cross brings transformation, then I'll be crucified with you. Because death is just a doorway into resurrection life. And if I join you in your sufferings, then I join you when you rise. And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing, my song. And I'll be crucified with you believe it Cause death is just a doorway into resurrection life And if I join you in your sufferings Can I join you when you rise And when you return in glory with all the angels and the saints My heart will still be singing my song
Well, you know, this, this message kind of started about a month ago. We were having an altar call. It seems a little loud, guys, doesn't it? I, you know, is it good? Okay. Just loud for me. So um, about, a, about a month ago, we were having an altar call, and Pastor David was up here, and, and I kind of came up. And all of a sudden, I had this strange picture from my many years ago where one of my cars got stuck in second gear. And uh, it would run... And it would go a little, but in second gear, you can't get it very fast. You know, it's like 20, 30 miles an hour. You, you really, it just wasn't going. And I thought, what does that have to do with this altar call? What does this have to do with anything? But what I realized is that sometimes I've gotten stuck along the way. Sometimes I see other believers that somewhere along the way got stuck. They might not be totally disabled, but they're not moving at maximum efficiency. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but I think by the time we're done today, you'll see. Maybe, maybe it has, you know? And then that got me on to a whole bunch of rabbit trails about why does that happen? Why do people get stuck? And I thought about other unanswerable questions. Somebody asked this week, they said, if all the sponges were removed from the ocean, how much would that drop the sea level? If you got rid of SpongeBob and all that stuff, you know, you wouldn't have to worry about rising sea levels, maybe. No wonder I don't sleep very well at night. It, it's, it's those kind of questions that just, you know, you ponder. You know, I, there's so many things I don't know. I used to know everything. How about you? You know, when you're younger, you know, you think, gosh, I got it figured out. I got life all figured out. I, I know the ways of God. I know it all. And then as you get older, you realize there's so many things I don't understand. You know, why is there Braille at the drive through ATMs? I don't understand that. Why do we drive on parkways and park on driveways? It, it just things just don't make sense sometimes. And, and, and you know, I'm still trying to figure out is the glass half full or half empty? Because some days I look at it and say, that's half full. And other days I look at the same glass and it's half empty. Ah, there's challenging questions that are, are difficult to solve. Well, here's some, here's some interesting ones. Um, <laughs> these might sound negative, but they're only negative if you can't solve them. I'm going to answer all these today. You don't believe it, but just wait and see. Why do so many professing Christians seem to never grow up? That's sad. Why do believers sometimes get off to a good start, but then get stuck somewhere along the way? 
Why do kids brought up in a church sometimes choose to go a different direction? Why do the promises of God sometimes seem to not be working? Okay. (laughs) I know these sound like downers. They're only downers if you don't have the solution. Since the Christian life is supposed to be full of excitement, adventure, and miracles, why does it sometimes get boring? Uh, Well, anyway... If, if I don't answer all these, you can write to info at missioncommunity.cc and Pastor David or Pastor Sam will answer your questions. And perhaps you have some other questions that I didn't, didn't ask, and I don't plan to be preaching for a while, so I'm sure they'll answer your question. Well, I was thinking too about one of the things as I'm up at night, can't sleep, think about all the different ways that people get stuck. So this is the person that got stuck looking for greener pastures. <laughs> Have you ever known anybody like that? The grass is greener over there. Well, yeah, the grass might be greener, but yeah, you, you get stuck. Wow, that's rough. So that's one of them. And then the next one, oh, this is the man that was going on a road trip and refused to ask for directions. And look what happened. You know, he's stuck. He's getting help, but he's stuck. And the next one. There's a guy. This guy said, just a little bit of sin couldn't possibly hurt me much. It started with a little bit of sin, and a little while later, wow, what a mess. That's tough. So the next one. So I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but many of us get stuck because of our tongue. We get in trouble with our tongue. Isn't that that something? And that's what happened to this young lady. It it was tough. Well, anyway. So next one. Ah, stuck on unhealthy relationships. (laughs) Can't get unstuck. Stuck on you. Wow. Okay. Well, let's go on. So, let me start by sharing that there's two voices. I'm going to put this up here just as a reminder. But there's two voices that we need to to be aware of. The first verse, the first voice, is constantly saying, press on. Let's let's look at it here in this this, uh, passage from the Apostle Paul. Not that I've already obtained this or already perfect, but I press on. This side of the room, we're going this side of the room is going to be the press on side, okay? So not that I've already attained it, but I press on, right? To make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So he's purchased us, so I'm going to press on. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, this is a great verse, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who are mature think this way. See, I I always used to think that those who are mature have kind of arrived. They're kind of on the plateau. They don't have to press on. They already got it together. Ah, Paul said, if you're really mature, if you've taken Maturity 101 with Robert and Kathy, recently completed, you will press on. You will realize how immature you are. You will realize that there's still more and there's still more to press on 
Wow, isn't that something? And one other thing I want to point out here. Paul said that the call of God is which direction? Upward. So I, I can prophesy to you today. You say, well, I don't know my calling. I'll tell you your calling. Your calling is upward. Yeah, and because of that, you need to press on. Exactly. And so, but some people are stuck in the past. And they got this ball and chain of the past. They can't press on. Well, anyway, here's, here's the other voice. Here's the other voice. And sometimes this voice comes from unlikely people. It comes from friends. It comes from parents. It comes from pastors, well-meaning people. And that verse, that voice says, stay here. Well, look at this. This is, the background of this is the, the prophet Elijah was depressed one day. First Kings chapter 19. He had defeated the false prophets, but Jezebel was after him. He was tired, depleted, burnt out. And he's there feeling sorry for himself. And God gives him a new commission. He says, I want you to go and anoint Elisha as a prophet in your place. Well, I don't think Elijah was real crazy about that idea. But yet it gave him new focus, new direction. I'll tell you, I don't know how, uh, about you guys. I'm going to talk a little bit later about generations and stuff. But if you get to be my age, there's not much left to do except to train your replacements. How about that? A lot of us don't really want to do that. But that's what we're called to do. And the older you get, the more urgent and important that is to train your replacement. So here we are. That was the beginning of Elijah, Elisha's relationship. But here's the end of it in, in 2 Kings chapter 2. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Pay attention to these four places we're going to see here. Gilgal is the first. Elijah said to Elisha, please stay here. Okay, this is the stay here side, right? So he, Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. stay here. You know, Gilgal's great, just stay here, right? But, but look what, stay here for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So isn't it interesting? He's told by his mentor, stay here. And he says, I'm not going to. I'm going to press on. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to stay with you. And later we see in the chapter, I don't even know if we're going to get to the verses. Elijah told him, if you see me when I leave, you will receive a double portion of my spirit. So Elisha had some motivation not to stay, but to continue to press on. Wow, that's really something. So I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel, and the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from you over you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep quiet. Well, anyway. I don't know if we're going to get to it today, but uh, this thing about the sons of the prophets. You know, it's, it's really interesting. The sons of the prophets, what are they doing? They're just busybodies, really. <laughs> really, they're not following Elijah. They're not pressing on for a double portion. They're not really doing much themselves. They're just telling Elisha what to do. And, and we got to be careful about people like that. 
You know, the, the greatly spiritual that want to give us an input, but they're not really doing much themselves. How about that? Wow. <laughs> and then, and isn't it amazing? He says, yes, I know. Keep quiet. <laughs> Sometimes we've got to silence voices. We've got to silence that voice that says, you, come on, you guys. You, you, forgot, you forgot your lines already. Okay, let's, let's practice again. Over here, you guys, what's your line? Press on, okay? What's your, what's your line over here? Stay, Stay here, right. And, but there's a time to say, be quiet. We're not going to do that. <clears throat> So Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, says it again, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. Well, the first one is Gilgal. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. Gilgal, all right. Joshua chapter 5. This, is, this would be hilarious if it weren't so serious. So get the scene here. The Israelites have gone around in circles for 40 years in the desert because of their unbelief and their disobedience. And finally, after 40 years, they're on the verge of the promised land. They go in in the promised land after 40 years. Now, what would you do if, if you've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and you finally get in the promised land? I'd throw a party. I would have cookies. Uh, some of you missed that. You know, I'd have cookies, <laughs> donuts, coffee. I mean, I'd throw a party. We made it. We finally got here. That's what you would think. But guess what happened? By the way, you know, some people were criticizing me about my black um, garbage bag. But I had my props in. They said, I, I just hate it when you get up there, that, that stupid black garbage bag. Well, I, I considered their input. <laughs> I got a white one. <laughs> well, anyway, so here's how I picture the scene in Gilgal. So they, they cross the, the Jordan, they're, they're, they're thrilled, they're finally in this land of blessing, this land of promise, and they, they realize that there's a, a delivery from Amazon. You have to, you know, have to use a little imagination here. And, the, and uh, Joshua says to Caleb, did you order anything? No, I didn't order anything. Did you order anything? No, I don't, I don't know, what is it? Well, so they open it up, and guess what? What's this all about? Yikes. And then they, they look in the package and there's a note from the Lord. And the note from the Lord says something really strange. It says, you know, for 40 years, you were wandering around in the, the wilderness and none of the people born there has been circumcised. So, so, It's a little unfinished business that we got to do. Uh, do we have any volunteers today? <laughs> just teasing, just teasing. <laughs> Isn't that something? And if, and if some of you young people don't know what, it, what circumcision is, look it up, do a Google search. I'm not really going to get into it today. 
But I will say this. It's, it means the cutting away of unnecessary flesh. When, under Hebrew law, were people supposed to be circumcised? The eighth day. And here these people were that had gone through the wilderness and, well, I just don't have time. Can't really deal with that right now, you know. And they enter the promised land. They should be celebrating, should be enjoying the abundance, the blessings, all the stuff they've always dreamed of, the land of milk and honey, all that stuff. And God says, before you can get to the blessings, before you can get to the milk and honey, before you can enjoy all the fruit of this land, we've got to cut away some things. I'll tell you, we could spend the rest of the time just on Gilgal. I mean, we really could. Maybe we will. I don't know. But, but the tragedy is today is people enter into churches and they get entertained rather than equipped. And after many years, they've never, man, I'm sorry, I'm going to offend some people. They've never been circumcised. I'm not talking about the flesh. I'm talking about what Paul said in Romans. He said, you need circumcised in your heart. And the fact of the matter is, there's a whole lot of people that need stuff cut away. God wants to add stuff, yes. He wants to bless you, yes. But he needs to cut away some stuff. There's some people that are dealing with anxiety. You need cut it out. There's some people dealing with fear. Cut it out. There's some people dealing with, with anger and gossip and, and, and all kind of stuff. They need to cut it out. Mm, welcome to Gilgal. Welcome to Gilgal, you know? And, and uh, so you, you come into the promised land, and there it is, you know? You, say, you know, if you go into South Carolina, or like my brother's here today, welcome him. Uh, they're from Ohio. You, you go across the Ohio River, it says, welcome to Ohio, the heart of it all. I, I, I don't know if they had any billboards back then, but could you just picture, welcome to, to the promised land. Make sure you are circumcised. Man, man, man. Here's a couple other things about Gilgal. Everybody had died in the wilderness except for Joshua and Caleb and then the, the people that were born. Guess what that means? Man, I get excited about this. Everybody that went into the promised land, other than Joshua and Caleb, were under 40 years old. I don't know. That might not bless you. That blesses me because the promised land was a youth movement. The old people had all died off except Joshua and Caleb. But, but then the young people, the young generation, they were the ones that were going into the promised land. They were the new generation. They were the new beginning. Wow. I, I get excited about that. So a lot of cool things about Gilgal. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, have you ever been circumcised? And, and sometimes... It's not a one-time occurrence. How about that? Jesus said in John chapter 15, do you want to bear fruit? Do you want to bear more fruit? How about that? Then you're going to have to be pruned. Wait a minute. I thought you were the God of the goodies. I thought you were the God of the blessings. I thought this is a, light, a milk and honey kind of a deal. Yeah, it is. Do you want to bear more fruit? 
God, I have some things cut off. Hmm. Help us, Lord. So what's the lesson from Gilgal? Let God cut away everything from your life that is evil. That's obvious, right? Or unnecessary. The evil things, you know, should be a no-brainer, but a lot of us carry around evil stuff. But, at, but sadly, we also sometimes have unnecessary things, unprofitable things, things that are really not getting you any place. Have you ever had that happen? You know, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. We have to lay aside some things. We have to allow the Lord. Lord, how many of you today are willing to say, Lord, do surgery on me? Here I am, Lord. I wouldn't just give the knife to anybody to do it. <laughs> wouldn't give the knife to Jim. He might, you know, hit the wrong spots there. But Lord, we give, the, we give you the knife. We give you the scalpel. We say, Lord, do the surgery that you need because we want to bear fruit and we want to be blessed and we want to enjoy this promised land that you've given us. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. Well, the next thing is, is Bethel. Bethel's not just a nice place that has nice worship, but in uh, Genesis 28, verses 10 to 22, it talks about Jacob. Jacob was basically a pastor's kid. You know, Abraham was his grandpa, Isaac was his dad, and here's Jacob. And up until this point, it seems as if Jacob had never had his own encounter with God. And probably if you ask him, which God do you serve? He'd probably say, well, you know, my grandpa's Abraham, my dad's Isaac. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I I suppose I kind of follow Yahweh and kind of follow the Lord. Yeah. But he didn't really know him for himself. And so one of the reasons why the church is anemic is because we haven't gone to Gilcow and had stuff cut away. But one of the other reasons is because we have a whole lot of people that have not had a personal encounter with God. And they hear the preachers, they hear the prophets, they watch YouTube podcasts and videos and stuff. But they themselves have not heard from God, seen God, encountered with God. I'm frustrated about it. We've never had a situation in history where it's so easy to go on your computer and watch some videos of someone else who has heard from God, someone else who's had a dream, someone else who's had a revelation. What about you? What about you? You know? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Not just my prophets hear my voice. Not just my apostles hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. I wish you all could have been in pre-service prayer today. Every time I preach, it seemed like they always steal my notes. Um, No, they had no idea what I was going to talk about. But God speaks to people. How about that? And they already are in tune with what, what God is saying. So you know the story. So Jacob is basically kind of escaping from a bad situation with his brother. And he's, he's going toward the homeland to maybe find a wife. And he's out there by himself. Oh, I love that. You get by yourself. You're around a bunch of people. Everything's cool. You get by yourself. You and God, by yourself. And there he is. He gets his stone, puts it down. That's his pillow. You know, uh, never heard of my pillow, and you know, <laughs> his my pillow was a rock. You know, 
And he has a dream of this ladder between earth and heaven. And he says, wow, this is the gate, gate of heaven. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And I didn't even know it. I want to say to you, this is a prophecy, so to speak to you. I don't know what you're going through today, but guess what? The Lord is in that place too. How about that? Surely the presence of the Lord is in that place, even if you didn't know it. So he has this encounter and God speaks to him. And he, he's so moved that he almost promises to tithe. <laughs> That's really not really part of my notes, but I just thought I'd throw that in there. Yeah, he's really impacted. You know, he, he sees this, this door open. And then at the end of the thing, at the end of this encounter, he takes oil and he pours it on this stone. What a waste of good oil. I don't know. He pours this oil on the stone and says, this is the house of God. This is Bethel, we're going to call it. You know what? If, do you want the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life? You know, do you want the, the, the God's presence in an amazing way? Then you need to go to Bethel. Not, not in Reading, but, <laughs> you know, you can go to Bethel right here today. How about that? You can go to Bethel and, and receive an encounter with God. And when that happens, everything begins to change. Wow. Isn't that something? But unfortunately, so many of us, we've substituted someone else's word, someone else's revelation, someone else's prophecy. You know, uh, uh, for, forgive me, some of you that have you know, sent me prophetic words and everything. Uh, I don't always receive it very well. Why? Because I already hear from God. How about that? And it's not like I'm not open to hearing other stuff, but, but frankly, if we had some discernment, we'd see some of those things are not as Great as you think. I could, I've been around, <laughs> I'm sorry, I know, I, I, told, I told you I'm going to offend some people. That's all right. <laughs> I've been around prophetic stuff for so long, I could write a, a template. Here, here's the template. Some bad things are going to happen. <laughs> Get ready, some bad things are going to happen. Yeah, right. Of course they are. Get ready, God, God's fixing to do some things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. God is fixing to do some things. But you see, the point of the matter is, some of it's either common sense or it's, it's fluff or I don't know. Forgive me, Lord, but uh, I want to hear from God. Amen. You know, I want to be one of the sheep that hear his voice. And, and the question is, what he's, has he said to you? What is he doing in your life? What is the fresh firsthand revelation that he has said to you. I want to see more of that. I'd just as well hear from any of you than, than some, some guy thousands of miles away that, I don't know, I'm sorry. I told you I was going to offend you, but that's all right. Unstuck from Bethel. Ask God to rid you of dependence, that's a big word there, dependence on hearsay and give you a firsthand revelation of him. Wow, there's so many things there. Uh, Acts chapter 19 I shared about in the pre-service prayer a couple of months ago. So these guys had watched Paul do deliverance, and it worked. You know, Jesus, Paul would say, in the name of Jesus, these demons would flee. And so these guys, these sons of Sceva said, wow, I think we got the formula. 
I think we got the formula. I think we got to figure it out. And so they go around trying to cast out demons too. And they said, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, come out. Guess what happened? They got beat up. The demon said, well, we know about Paul and we surely know Jesus, but who are you? You see, the thing is, hearsay doesn't really work. Hearsay is not enough. You might even be right about what you've heard, but if, if it's not a personal revelation, it's not going to really work. Oh, man. Well, <laughs> the next place on this itinerary with Elijah and Elisha was Jericho. You know, one of the problems with these stories, we think we've already heard them. We think we already know I realized some things this past week about Jericho I had never thought of before. I'd never thought of before. Joshua chapter 6. So they've crossed over into the promised land. They get circumcised. And then one of the next things that happen is they have to deal with Jericho. And, and God tells them how to do it. He gives them instructions. He said, I want you to march around one day, do, say nothing. I want you to march around again, 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 six days, do nothing. And the seventh time, march around seven times, blow the trumpets. I, sh I should have got, you know, Amber and James, some of these guys with their trumpet right here. Blow your horn and shout, and the walls will fall down. But, but here's some stuff you maybe probably didn't think about before. What I realized is I have assumed that when I got in the promised land, all God's blessings were automatic. And then what happened? I got offended at God because I thought, hey, I'm in the promised land. I should have health. I should have wealth. I should have perfect relationships. I should, I should have all these things. And I don't see it happening. I could point out some of you. I think some of, some of the rest of you have dealt with that as well. There's all these promises from God. So many promises of God. I'm a health and wealth preacher, basically. How about that? You know, I believe in health. I believe in wealth. I believe in good relationships. I believe in all that stuff. But here's the reality. It wasn't automatic. Let that sink in. It wasn't automatic. Hey, I crossed the Jordan. Now just pour out the blessings. See, that was their experience in the wilderness. In the wilderness, they get up every morning and manna was on the ground. When they got to the promised land, guess what? It didn't happen that way. We, we misquote, I think, Malachi chapter 3 sometimes. How about that? I'll offend some of you on that. It talks about tithing. It says, you've robbed God, you know, bring into the storehouse, you know, the tithe and everything, and I'm going to pour out a blessing so great you, won't you can't even receive it. But, but the problem is, in our mentality, it's like, why well, I tithe, and now I'm just kind of sitting here, you know, just kind of waiting, you know, for my, my ship to come in, just kind of waiting for the, the blessing. Now, God can do that. He's done that for me sometimes. But you know what it says in the rest of that passage in Malachi? He says, I'm going to bless your crops. I'm going to bless your crops. What does that mean? That means you got to have some crops. you got to plant some things. Some people are waiting for God to do stuff, and he says, I'm waiting for you to plant some crops. Ah. Uh, 
Help us, Lord. So God wants to give you health, yeah. But you might need to go to the gym. You, you might need to eat better. God wants to bless you financially, but, but he wants to show you, you know, which fish to catch to get the coin out. I mean, you got to do something. You know, cast the net on the other side of the boat. He gives you instructions so he can bless you. God wants to bless you with good relationships, but how many of you know they don't just happen? You got to work at them. So, so Jericho was a place where God challenged them to obey his instructions so that the walls would fall down and they could begin to access the blessings that he wanted to give them. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that, that is just amazing. Yeah, you know the story. They, you know, they blew the trumpets. I mean, and, and that's an interesting thing too. Sometimes we're doing battle, but not how God's told us to do it. You know, we're trying to do it on our own strength. And he says, you need to blow a trumpet. You need to shout. You need to, he gives you the thing. One of my favorite stories, wish we had more time, you know, John chapter two, the wedding feast. They ran out of something. And what was the solution? I would have just canceled the rest of the wedding. You know, David and I, the Ewans, we were at a wedding last night. You know, well, there's no wine. I guess we're all, you know, it's time to go home, you know. <laughs> no, but, but Mary, Jesus' mother, said to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. You see, the turnaround doesn't come just by us thinking, working hard, striving. It comes from us obeying. Here's an ironic thing. Why was it that they spent 40 years in the wilderness? Because of unbelief. I, I should have done this as a quiz question. Let me do it as a quiz question. What does Hebrews say? What's the reason why they didn't enter God's rest and enter the land? Unbelief, unbelief and yeah, murmuring, that's, a, that's true. It's, it's not in that passage, but in some other ones. Unbelief and disobedience. And they murmured, you know. But here's the interesting thing. Once you, they got in the promised land, how are they supposed to access the blessings? Through faith and through obedience. Sheesh. You say, well, you know, I just thought God was just going to shower it down from heaven. No, he's going to tell you what to do. Mm, wow. So if we're unstuck from Jericho, recognize that God's blessings aren't automatic for you often must fight to possess your possessions. He said, this land is yours. <laughs> I can't blame them for not understanding because if God said, this land is yours, I'd just come and put my recliner around and say, hey, this is, this is mine. <laughs> But it didn't work that way. They had to fight for their land. They had to fight for the blessings. Yes, God was with them. God was going to help them. God was going to energize them supernaturally. But they had to fight for their, their blessings. Wow. That's hard for us to understand, isn't it? The, the Christian life is accessed by grace. But there's a way in which it says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It says to labor to enter his rest. There's a lot of things that are kind of the other side of the coin. Wow. Well, I think my favorite of all is the Jordan. Uh, Joshua chapter 3 is a really interesting passage. 
and these four places are not in chronological order. That's interesting too. But in, in Joshua chapter 3, after 40 years, they finally came to the edge of the promised land. And uh, guess what? It was at flood stage. <laughs> you thought God was going to make it easy for you, didn't you? You thought it was all going to just be like a red carpet, you know? No, it was at flood stage. <laughs> and it kind of blows my mind, too, because... The Israelites, when they got to the Red Sea, Moses stretched out his, his rod, and it parted, and then they just walked across the dry land. But when they got to the Jordan River, this time, what had to happen? It said that they had to take a step of faith. It said that you got to... <laughs> there we go. You had to take the Ark of the Covenant, the priest had to go, and they had to step in the water. Do you want to enjoy the promised land? Do you want to enjoy the blessings of God? Do you want to see supernatural ministry? Got to take a step. That's really hard. You say, well, I'm just waiting on God. I'm waiting on God to part the waters. You can wait till you're dead. I mean, really. Some of you have been waiting a long time for stuff that it's not happening. Sorry, it's not happening. And in some cases, it's because you haven't stepped in the water. And you say, but the water, it was dangerous. Have you ever stepped in a flood? Have you, have you ever stepped in a flood? That would be dangerous. I could be swept away. I could die. You see, I had one. One more prop and everything. So David's been preaching about faith the past couple of weeks, and I thought to myself, well, how do we know? How do we know if, if we're really walking in faith or not? And this is a stethoscope if you can't see back that far. And I felt like the Lord challenged me this week. He said, well, Lord, am I walking in faith? How's my faith low? Am I really walking in faith? I felt like he said, when was the last time you did anything that really required a risk? And I thought, wow. See, when I was younger, I took a lot of risks. Some of them didn't turn out too well. That's another, <laughs> that's another matter. But as I got older... I began to play it safe. And so I just began to do the things that I could see with my eyes and I thought were pretty safe and I didn't have to worry about any steps of faith like this, you see? But if you're not taking any steps of faith, you're probably not going to see any real miracles. How about that? I mean, that's brutal, but you got to take some steps of faith. And once many years ago, I saw myself playing poker in this little vision, and I don't even know how to play poker, so it was a strange vision for me. And, and in this vision, I was playing poker, and I had some chips. I had some capital. I had some things that I gained. I had some things that I cared about, that I cherished. And in this vision, I saw myself taking all the chips and saying, Lord, I'm all in. Amen. See, if... <laughs> Uh, some of, sometimes we're not all in. I'll throw this little chip in. I'll throw that little chip in. No, all in. Yeah. 
all in. Let that sink in. I mean, what about you? When was the last time you were all in? Mm, help me, Lord. And what I realize is I'm just, I'm playing it safe now. I'm not doing anything risky. I'm not doing anything strange, unusual. I'm just playing it safe. Wow. Help us, Lord. Oh, the Jordan. Be willing to obey God in taking steps of faith that may seem risky. Mm. Wow. So, anyway, if I didn't answer all the questions, it's uh, info at missioncommunity.cc. <laughs> and David and Sam will clean up and answer all the offenses and objections and everything else. Well, what about you? Have you got stuck somewhere in the journey? Have you got stuck in Gilgal and Bethel and Jericho? Got stuck in the Jordan? You're right up there. You're so close, so close to your promised land. But you're not really ready to take the step. Wow. This this is like kind of going back a little bit, but somebody asked me before, and well, are you going to talk about Prime today? I said, oh, Prime's really not in my notes. But, but here's one little nugget. I'm a big fan of Prime, by the way, as you know. You can't even really begin the path of discipleship unless you stop at Gilgal. You know? Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. It all starts there. Starts at Gilgal. And, and Gilgal kind of stands for the cross, but the cross has two sides. One side of the cross is forgiveness. Because of what Jesus did, you are forgiven. Let that sink in. But the other side of Gilgal, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. Wow. Great stuff. So Elisha hung on to Elijah through all these steps. Why did he do that? He was hungry. And we're going to sing that song at the end. Hungry. Are you hungry today? Do you want more? Or are you willing to get stuck, willing to just settle for this, settle for that? God, help us. Father, I pray today, Lord, for my friends here, that we would be all in. We would give you the knife, the scalpel. We'd say, cut away what needs cut away. Add what needs to be added. Father, we're willing to fight for our possessions. Lord, we're willing to battle for what you said is ours. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you live in the Charlotte area, we encourage you to worship with us on Sundays at 10 a.m. We encourage you also to give to this ministry so we can continue spreading the gospel to our city and throughout the world. You can go to our website at missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Have a great rest of your week. God bless.